0: You're absolutely right. I mean, it's sad. I also teach the one of the university's masters. And I can tell you people did MSC in implant dentistry and they're not placing implants. And it's sad because I know they have the knowledge, but they did not get the after-sale support. Welcome to the Protrusive Dental Podcast, the forward-thinking podcast for dental professionals. Join us as we discuss hot topics in dentistry, clinical tips, continuing education, and adding value to your life and career with your host, Jazz
1: Gulati. Have you ever been on a dental course and not applied the knowledge and because you never got to apply the knowledge, you felt as though it was an absolute waste because really, if you didn't get to apply it, you didn't get to treat a patient with that new technique you've learned, it really goes to waste. So sometimes, you know, we, we do these courses and they can cost a lot of money and we don't get the best out of it. For example, I went on a laser course last year, I've hardly touched a laser since so I feel it's a waste and I know it's my own fault and I take full ownership of that. But I think sometimes the states can be even higher. Beyond just a laser course, imagine doing implants, for example, and investing heavily in an implant course and they're not cheap, let's be honest. Now imagine doing that and I've got some friends who've done implant pathways and programs and have not been able to put it into practice. Now that can be a costly, mistake is is one way of putting it or a costly discovery that actually maybe implants is not the right path for you or whichever path you've done or invested in isn't best for you. That's why I've got Dr. Hassan Magera with me today for this two part episode. The first one I mean, it's a mammoth topic, right? The first one is how to know if implants is the right path for you and how to get started within dental implantology. And part two is assessing your patient for implants. Who is the best patient for implants? What is the requirement for space dimensions, bone, uh, delaying the implants versus immediate, all these sorts of things that will hopefully cover the very fundamentals. So even if you don't place implants at the moment, that you'll be able to gain from these two episodes. Just a bit of news before we dive into the episode, Uh, Occlusion 2020 was a massive success. Thank you so much for all of you who took part. It didn't feel like a a zoom sort of a conference, if you like, it felt more than that. It was so much more energy. The chat was on fire. Uh, It was a lot of great banter actually. And it was so so great to see everyone there. And and the beauty of it is that replay function. I online education really is the way forward uh, in, in dentistry. Who would have thought five years ago that so many of the courses and education can be delivered online. So it's, a, it's really great. And thank you so much for, for supporting us with Occlusion 2020. And thank you to you guys listening right now for helping this podcast grow. And I'm, I'm always in a good mood to, to say these positive things because it really puts a smile on my face. For example, recently, uh, about a month ago now, a um, German dental student reached out to me and told me I was her favorite English podcast. Uh, so Sophia, thank you so much for listening. And, and, and all of you I get loads of messages uh, of, of gratitude. And I really love that. And it's very, very great to to read those messages. Sometimes the message like you've rekindled my passion for dentistry, like, oh, my God, I can't get over that. So please, let's keep going. Uh, If you don't mind recommending me to a friend or a colleague who hasn't heard about the podcast, that's how the podcast grows. That's how I can have uh, more varied, interesting guests. So I really appreciate um, all the hard work you guys have done in helping to promote my podcast organically. And funnily enough, I found out that uh, the Protrusive Dental podcast last month was the number one ranked podcast in the category of medicine in Qatar. So... Shout out to all my listeners in Qatar. You took me to number one, baby. Uh, Hopefully uh, Qatar is is done, but hopefully uh, the world next. The Protrusive Dental Pearl I have for you is dental photography related. So whether you're still to get started in photography or you're taking photos already, I think you can gain from this. It's to do with equipment, right? Like if your biggest barrier is the expense of buying a camera, Firstly, let me say it's totally worth it. No matter how much a camera costs, dental photography will really elevate your work. It'll bring you so much more satisfaction as a dentist. So just do it. However, I know young dentists, you know, uh, one or two years out, and you feel as though it's a big investment to make all at once. So my advice to you would be to consider buying your photography equipment secondhand. Now, when I bought my camera seven years ago, I got it from Gumtree, uh, or if in the US, Craigslist or whatever, you can buy used camera and camera gear from a photographer, for example, who's looked after their equipment really well. But now because they've upgraded, they essentially can can sell their equipment their older equipment that is really valuable to you at a much discount price now as dentists we don't need a particularly fancy camera body okay the body itself can be fairly basic the lens should be good and the ring flash should be adequate so really there's no reason to break the bank over all this and you can buy used models and even on websites like in the uk we have wex, W-E-X where they have refurbished items uh, so i would totally explore buying equipment whether it's due for renewal or your first purchase second hand or as a refurbished item on, on these photography websites and the sooner you get started taking photos, the better. So that's my pearl for you today. Let's jump in with the episode with Dr. Hassan Magara with getting started with dental implants. Dr. Hassan Magara, welcome to the Protrusive Dental Podcast. How are you?
0: Hello, hi Jazz. thank you very much for having me. I'm very good and good morning to you and all our colleagues listening to this nice podcast.
1: Yeah, thanks for tuning in guys, really appreciate it. And today I've got, uh, can, I, can I call you Hassan? Yes, please do. Hassan someone who I've, I've, I've seen a, a lot over the years um, on, on the social media presence uh, and his passion for implants and teaching really stood out to me. So that's why I reached out to, to Hassan because a lot of the listeners were like, you know, can we just have a bit more uh, implant stuff, especially when it comes to the journey of Give implants. Implant. So, so Hassan, if you, if you don't mind, we're going to cover a couple of things today. One is uh, getting into uh, dental implants. Uh, and two is just, you know, if you're looking for your first couple of cases, or if you're looking to refer, you know What is the basic uh, sort of uh, requirements, suitability assessments? Can you place it in smokers? Um, what about um, timing of extractions? Obviously, in a podcast like this, there's only, you can only scratch the surface, because I'm sure there's so many nuances, right? But any direction you can give to dentists, that would be great. Um, and Hassan, can you just please tell us a little bit about yourself, about your working week and, and how you got into uh, implants yourself? Well, thank you very much, uh, Charles Basically, for me, implant dentistry
0: is one of the most rewarding aspects or branches of dentistry. And I strongly believe that every single dentist has a duty to know something about implant dentistry. In fact, as we all know, GDC here in the UK makes it mandatory for every single dentist to offer implant option to their patients, even, you know, if they think, you know, a patient won't go for it, never judge a book by its cover, should always offer implant dentistry as one of the treatment options. And I strongly believe that, you know, people who like to go into implant dentistry, they're going to find it very rewarding, providing they start right. What What starts right, goes right. Why do I say that? Because it's so easy to slip into implant dentistry through the wrong doorway or through the wrong entrance and then start to... Mess up your career and you lose fun. The way about implant dentistry, let's admit it, maybe in UK and maybe other countries, um, undergrads don't get enough education about implant dentistry. Hence, every dentist, you know, will need to pursue a career in implant dentistry through some post-continual education or continual education after graduation. And that could be either through um, masters if they want to get like into research and thesis, or if they just want to reach a level where they can be safe and dentists. There are so many good courses, continual educational courses, which according to the General Dental Council of the United Kingdom has to be a long course uh, with integrated mentoring scheme and that course needs to be completed with an assessment. Hence, only then um, if someone can say, now I'm safe to do implant dentistry.
1: Well, now, I'm glad still- you mentioned that Hassan, because straight away, that leads very nicely to the, the, the first overall question I want to, to ask, which is basically, when we do uh, our undergraduate studies, like with a lot of the dentistry, I mean, we scratch the surface. I mean, I know dentists who have done one molar root canal, or even, dare I say, no molar root canals, and they've got a BDS Hassan. Okay, so mm-hmm. don't even go like, don't even think about implants. If, if they have done maybe seven extractions and, and one molar root canal, this is the state. Okay, uh, and I don't know how much worse the pandemic's gonna make everything. Right, so we're qualifying with way less experience than we used to, then and you don't get to dabble or get your hands into implant dentistry. So how can you be sure it's the right path for you and to even begin to think it's now uh, worth investing some money into? into the path of of, of learning because you quite correctly said the way to learn implants will be through private courses or masters like just like you said but how do you know it's the right thing for you are there certain traits that you see in someone in a clinician you think you know what they uh, may have a fruitful career in implant dentistry or a certain type of individual a student maybe should focus on something else any sort of uh, light you can judge uh, you can shed on that I think jazz it's a decision
0: every single person will need to make um, you and I know. Let's talk about dentistry in the United Kingdom. At the, the beginning, once you graduate, you need to make that decision: Are you going to be NHS nine till five um, dentist who just you know happy to settle, or are you someone passionate wants to take the challenge one step forward, do some more challenging cases, wanting to spend more time with your patients, more, wanting to keep your patients in house even wanting to you know upskill and upgrade your cv so you can get better jobs later on so this is the first question every single graduate needs to make you know where do you want where do you see yourself 5 years down the line now should you decide that you know what nhs dentistry is not for me i want to be dif- someone different i want to be above average then the second question is right? Which part of private dentistry you think you can be enjoying that? Okay. Now we know jack of all trades, master of none. So you need to somehow develop passion in one aspect of dentistry. I mean, I'm not saying don't do the rest of dentistry, but just develop passion where you sort of start to attend evenings, open evenings, congresses, lectures, and If you find out that, you know what, this is something I see myself doing in the future. This is something, hopefully in five years' time, I'm going to be doing that with passion, with um, confidence, um, safely. Then you could make that decision. All right, let's go into implant dentistry. Before going into implant dentistry, it's always wise to find someone you look up to, like a mentor or someone... In your city where you, you know, you referred some patients to before and say, pick up the phone and say, can I come and shadow you for a day or two, please? I'm not sure about implant dentistry. And uh, I know that you're someone who does implant dentists regularly. I just want to come and stand behind your shoulder and see how things work. I'm sure you're going to find lots of people welcoming you. And only then you could say, right, this is for me. It's time to invest. Let's take it forward.
1: Are you enjoying the Protrusive Dental podcast? Well, allow me to deliver you even more value. You can now download the iOS or Play Store app nothing we worked so hard on this protrusive team and i know you're just gonna love it now back to the main episode I think it's yeah, great you mentioned uh, the, the the role yeah. of shadowing. It had a huge role um, in my career trajectory. I shadowed lots of great dentists. And um, that's the reason I'm today, I'm a general dentist who likes to do ortho, likes to treat tooth wear and stuff like that, because it's a dentist that I shadowed and that really influenced me. I also shadowed some implant dentists and I, and I went down uh, and, I, and I did play some implants on on a course, which I shall not name as an international one. And I didn't have a great experience. And I think it was due to the education I received at that point, and I do think uh, if I could that's go back important. in time, I would have, I would have picked a a, a different uh, sort of route uh, for getting into it. But now I'm enjoying my sort because I've got a diploma in orthodontics now. I'm doing more of that, so that's how I went about it. But really, I think you raise a good point that if I was to summarise it, you have to kiss a lot a lot of fr- frogs before you find your prince charming. Basically, you might have to go on that endo course. You might have to do some endo in practice. And then start making some dentures and maybe shadow a prosthodontist and, and, and then eventually maybe shadow uh, someone who plays implants and try and figure out which one or two micro areas within dentistry really resonate with you the most. And I think it's so great that you mentioned the role of shadowing, which by the way, has been complicated by COVID. Unfortunately, there have been a few dentists who've messaged me you want to shadow. I've messaged a few dentists, I want to shadow. And because of the whole COVID, we just don't know whether to go or not, but obviously this will pass. But it's a great advice you give to find someone in your city, potentially someone you refer to, shadow them, uh, and see if that's a career for you. Is there anything you want to add to that before I go to the next question, Hassan? It's a perfect point what you've mentioned.
0: I mean, obviously, COVID is a temporary, and hopefully it will not continue. But you know, you don't have to invest in courses, maybe congresses, conferences. And don't look at it as a waste of time. because. You as a dentist has a duty to develop basic knowledge about every aspect. You know, So a patient comes in and says, am I suitable for an implant? You can't say just, um, to be honest, I don't know. You have a duty to know the basics about implant dentistry, at least you know to be able to answer these questions. So we have in the United Kingdom, the ADI, ITI. They're both two big organizations and they offer annual congresses and conferences. And I think every dentist should go and give it a try. And
1: only then you could decide this is for me or not. Brilliant. The next thing I want to ask you then is that there are some dentists who end up doing some implant training and investing their time and money into it. And then they don't fly with it. They don't run with it. It happens in anything like you know, you have some people who um, do an orthodontic diploma and they don't do as many orthodontic cases afterwards. They do an endodontic program and then they decide not to uh, sort of um, not specialize or they don't uh, make their practice limited to endodontics because they just don't get around to doing it. And they spend all that time and money into that field for example. So how can you ensure that if you were to do some implant training, uh, what's the way to make sure that you could hit the ground running and get some cases under your belt and actually not then just give up implant dentistry a few years later, despite in, in, you know investing time and money? Jazz, this is an amazing question. And as, as you might know,
0: I mean, we run a course here in Leeds through the British Academy of Implant Restorative Dentistry. And I get a lot of people calling me asking about the course. And actually, the more important question is, what support is the delegate going to get after the course? Because there are so many good courses here. And, you know, you know there are, the differences can be minute between one course and the other. But what really makes it or break it for you is what support you're going to get after the course. And I think every person who's going into ortho or implants or endo continual education, try to link yourself to a group in that field. And only then after the course, the discussion, the mentoring, um, the um, encouragement comes from the family. So in, the, in Baird, the British Academy, we like to feel like we're a family and we have annual meetings where we can encourage each other. I mean, whenever someone has a challenging case, we have a mentoring scheme, integrated mentoring scheme, where someone can come to your practice and help you to do this challenging case. You've got a simple case. We have this platform where people discuss these cases together. So I think in general, in dentistry, whether it's implants, ortho, or endo, whenever you want to look into a course, especially if we're talking about a serious course leading to course certificate or diploma, you need to be asking the question, what support I'm going to get after the course so I can start to you know, get the reward of my investment. You're absolutely right. I mean, it's sad. I also teach the, one of the university's master's. And I can tell you people did MSC in implant dentistry and they're not placing implants. And it's sad because I know they have the knowledge,
1: but they did not get the after-sale support. Okay, Hassan, thanks so much. So the next question I have then is, there's a school of thought with that, with implants, you should go all in. Because to me, there's so many systems, so many complications, surgical and restorative, that if you just dabble in implants, you will never reach your true potential, or you may not be as successful um, as someone who just dabbles. So where do you think the, the humble GDP fits into it? I mean, firstly, do you believe that? And, and how does a GDP then dabble? Like you know, Maybe a GDP places six implants a, a month. Is that, is that a decent amount? Is that okay to practice in that sort of field where you're placing that number? Or does it really need to be either zero or 50? Like, Do you, do you understand what I'm trying to say? Yes, hundred percent. Let me let me
0: take just t- t- one step backward. Mm. You know, as a general dentist, you have a choice of going into implant dentistry as, as at three levels. Let's say level one, which develops the knowledge, and I think this is now becoming mandatory. Every single dentist needs to have enough knowledge. So, whenever you're doing a consultation with someone coming to you with the failing teeth or missing teeth, you need to have the knowledge talking to your patient about implant dentistry as an option. And I strongly believe this is mandatory, okay? Now the next level is to refer your cases to someone you trust so they can place these implants and then you restore them in-house. And the advantage of that, that imagine you're having a central incisor missing tooth, you're gonna want to refer that for an implant but the adjacent front teeth need some veneers or cracks. So it will make sense for you as a general dental practitioner to have one impression for all of them. You get the nice matching color, the, um, everything all in one scheme. And also, you as a general practitioner will have the knowledge to be able to follow up this patient, okay? But you need to be trained to do that. You know, training how to restore implants and link yourself to someone you trust where they can place implants up to the standards you expect. Now, the third level is to say, right, I want to provide a service, in-house service for my patients, where I don't want my patients to go somewhere else because like it or not. You know, I'm a dentist who accepts referrals from colleagues and I think I might regret saying this later on, but patients like it when they have all the treatment in their own practice. You know, for a patient, they develop, over the years, they develop this comfort zone, this trust relationship with their dentist. And when you, say, when you go to them and say, uh, do you know what? I'm going to need to refer you to see someone else in another practice. For them, this is completely unknown, and they've taken the, your word for it. So it would be nice and amazing if you, who is for them the dentist they trusted over the years, who can continue this treatment. So you as a clinician need to make that decision. Where do you see yourself? Now, the moment you said, right, I'm going to start placing implants, then we've got another three levels. According to the ITI classification, which is available on the ITI website for free, you could feed all the information about the case on that website, and then you're going to get a classification, whether it's simple, advanced, or complex. I mean, no one would expect you to go and jump into complex complex cases within the first three five years of your implant career. So what I mean by simple, like a case where it's a lower molar, we've got loads of bone away from the nerve, simple flap, no no challenges, you could place that implant. Now, obviously, you need to have the the training to be able to do that simple treatment, and then you do simple cases by yourself for the first few years, couple of years. And whenever you have an advanced case, rather than referring this case to someone else, you could call your mentor and your mentor can come to your practice and you and your mentor do that advanced case together. So you, you're learning one-to-one through this mentoring session. Your patient having treatment in-house, so no need to you know, disturb the patient journey. And you know that you've done the best of your, the best of, you know, uh, of treatment for your patient. Now, the third level, which is complex, and that's when you mentor or someone really advanced in their training. We're talking about atrophic joes, talking about sinus grafting. That's when you can refer your patient. But these are not very common cases. We're talking about 10, 20% of the cases. So personally, I am a big advocate for every practice to have their in-house implant dentist. And if you're that associate or that practice owner who has passion for perfection, for surgery, for you know, restorative nice work, I think you should go for it and give it a go. And yes, you will hear people telling you it's either all or none. My advice, it shouldn't be like that. It's gradual, like anything else in our life. We don't go... All or none you don 't go from no driving license to driving Aston Martin you start
1: with a Ford and then you go up 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 until you reach your dream when you start moving up a gear and you start doing more complex cases that you have the mentor come in and you do it do the case together. I think some of my best learning experiences as, as, a, as a student as a learner. Have come from that sort of arrangement like I remember being in the DCT position in oral surgery at the guys hospital uh, and I had this uh, complex uh, surgical wisdom tooth and, and I was struggling so one of the red stars came and, and held my hand and, and 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 she was retracting the cheek and she was telling me what to do as I was doing it do note hold it like this hold it like that and those have been the most powerful learning experiences for me so I think that's a, a really good point you make there, and 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 that can be applied to any field of dentistry if you can have someone to hold your hand not just like over Facebook and send them photos and they give you advice, because that is really valuable as well, by the way, uh, and by email relationship. Yeah. But the, what I actually mean is that someone being by your side and seeing the patient together, and for them, just give me those little little micro tips that will just make your dentistry go a long way. So that's a, a great point. And, and, and the last question to wrap up, this theme of, of getting started with implants is the following. When we qualify, what, at what point should you decide, okay, now, is a time. I know you mentioned about level one, two, three, which I really like by the way. And, and you, I, I think the way you described it is so good because you can do level one very soon after qualifying because it's just the, the core knowledge, which we need to have even according to GDC. But let's say you want to start taking things a gear forward. Here's my perception. My perception is you should be able to take teeth out comfortably enough before you even start thinking about placing implants. Because for me, that was around about three to four years afterwards. Now, when I see any sort of extraction, it doesn't phase me as much. Before then, I was like, hmm, am I going to be okay? Am I not? Now I reach a position after the four year point where I thought, okay, now I'm, I, can, I can do some simple surgicals, happy to section elevate. Whereas some dentists might jump straight into the deep end without even mastering extractions. For me, that's how I was once taught, is, is a good point to consider about the surgical aspects of implant dentistry. What do you think about that? How do you know is the right time? And, and do you need a, a good restorative background before? you start going into level two and level three of the implant pathway you described. Okay, that's another very good question we always get from people who are passionate, they
0: want to do something as quick as possible, but then they want to check, is it a good time for them or are they doing it too early or too late? Now, my advice would be, after you're finishing your dental degree, obviously you've got to have one or two years of general dentistry experience. And you're absolutely right. You need to have some knowledge about restorative techniques in general. You need to know how to take a tooth out. And not only taking a tooth out, you need to be learning and focusing on how to be gentle in taking teeth out. Because when it comes to implant dentistry, it's all about the bone, it's all about that labial plate, which is in 87% less than one millimeter thickness in the anterior zone. So you could see we're talking about very thin structure. And it will make or break your implant case in the future, having that labial plate entered or not. So absolutely with you that you need to have good skills, the minor oral surgery skills, good, some restorative understanding. But on the other side, nowadays, you know, people like me and other directors of other courses, whether it's university led or private led, we acknowledge that. And we started to integrate this as part of the education we offer to our participants. So our Empire course is a 24-day over eight months. And in a part of these 24 days, we do lots of hands-on teaching, on taking teeth out, on managing little, tiny, simple flaps, suturing techniques. So we take people assuming they haven't ever done a suture before, they haven't ever done a tooth out. we sort of put that as part of the course. Now, you could decide to learn how to do oral surgery by yourself and your patient by after taking 100 tooth out, or you could come and attend a one-day course which saves you the trouble of putting yourself and your patient through the stress and the trauma of trying to take a tooth out. So again, the question is, you, know, you need to look at what sort of things gonna be covered in that course. I mean, in our course, it's an implant course, but we also have a full module on occlusion because we acknowledge the importance of occlusion in implant dentistry. Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I was celebrating yeah. there for
1: those driving and didn't see that. I was, I was, I was very happy to hear that. <laughs> it was jumping up and down. So yes, definitely, because,
0: you know, to learn an implant is not only about the screw. It's all about stabilizing the mouth, stabilizing um, the whole structure, the pink um, structure, the bone, the adjacent teeth. So some courses will just teach you how to place an implant. And other courses will have more like holistic approach where you go from A to Z, look at the whole thing. And I would like to think in my course or in our course, we cover all that. One of the brightest Graduates we had were people who came to our course two years uh, after graduation, and I mean, I, if I can mention someone called Sun. Sun came
1: to me. He was the youngest participant immediately Sun Ku. Sun Ku. Yes, oh, he's indeed. he's a very dear friend of mine. Uh, Sun is a very dear friend of mine, and uh, yes, I didn't know it was your your course that he did. That's brilliant. Uh, he's he's yeah, he's loving it. Amazing. And
0: now you know he's. At his young age, he's a mentor. So what I'm trying to tell you, it, it's up to you to decide when you want to start. And I go to people say, because I do have some, some of my colleagues and respected colleagues, they say, you cannot go into implant dentistry too early. You have to be five, 10 years of experience before giving you implants. And I beg to differ because imagine yourself 35 years old. This is, I would like to think when you're 35, you should be at the top of your career. Okay, If you're 35 with five years or 10 years experience in implant dentistry, it will make a huge difference compared to if you were 35 with one year of experience of implant dentistry. So the mm-hmm. earlier you start, you know, and you do the course, doesn't mean you're going to finish the course and go and do full arch. No, you do the course and start with the simple cases. And that oh. put you, the first two steps in that, in that pathway, And then from there, you develop your passion. You attend conferences, courses, continual um, advanced courses. So by the time you're 35, you can do full arch with confidence. And that's what I would prefer to do if time goes back
1: that's a great way to look at the pathway. But I'm, I'm so happy you mentioned, uh, son, this is completely unexpected, actually. Um, it's so great to celebrate the success of one of my dear friends. And uh, I mean, if you ask him, he's very humble, he would say success. That's the wrong word for me. You know, he's a very humble guy. But I remember because we're in the same, you know, we're, we're, we're best buds. And I remember when he was saying so soon after dental school, like, look, I want to go to implants. But he'd been thinking about that for a while. And he went into it, Knowing that he'd be one of the youngest, least experienced, uh, and he was very um, grounded. He said that, "Look, I know I have so much to learn." And the way he took it, he, he, he. I remember he he actually got extra mentorship. He actually, you know, I believe he paid for it or whatever he needed to do. But he did it the right way. He went the right way about it. And I love what he's doing now. Um, and he's really dedicated. He's got a purpose. So that is a great case study. And I'm so glad you mentioned him. So you know, it, it shouldn't put anyone off if you're too young, but you have that desire and you have the the willingness to to put the hard work in—it's it, all very achievable. So I think that that ends this part one in a very nice way. So this was all about getting into it. We asked some questions like: At what point? What core skills do you need? What to look out for? Is it right for you? Any closing words on this segment, Hasan? Before we move to the next one. Jaz, you just mentioned an important thing. You said he did the course, but he had to invest
0: more, and this is the other message. You know. Please don't be deluded or deceived thinking that you're doing the course, that's it. You're going to be a perfect implant dentist. Any course, whether it's even master's degree or one of our course, one of the private courses like the BELT course, which we do over 24 days, which is an intensive and we offer patients as part of the course to our delegates. Even that is only your first step. You need to be willing and ready to invest. You have to invest into mentoring after the course. You have to invest into attending like, advanced soft tissue and bone management courses after the course. So it's a, continually, it's a marathon rather than a sprint. If you're ready and if this is something you want to go, go for it. Don't let anyone stop you pursuing your passion. Otherwise, you might as well just leave employee dentistry to another colleague.
1: Well well said. And um, another great point that you reciprocated there about um, having the need to continually invest more and learn more advanced techniques. And a great example I can give you is I've got lots of good friends of mine who have mclindent in prostodontics or dent in periodontics. And guess what? They go abroad to America, to Brazil, or to wherever to do advanced soft tissue courses. Um, my prostodontics colleagues, they are the biggest CPD junkies I know, even though they have, you know, they made it. They're a, a prostodontic specialist. But no, they're still going for these advanced courses, techniques. They're continually investing in themselves. So it doesn't stop. So I'm sorry if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh my God, it never stops. You need to actually see that as a beautiful thing that, you know, otherwise you get bored, you become stagnant. This is the beauty of dentistry. There's, you know, there's not a single day that goes by, they don't learn anything new and that, that, that will never stop. So I think that ends this uh, part one really well. So Hassan, thanks so much for, for covering for us, getting into the implant journey. Thank you, it's a pleasure. Petruserati, thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. I always appreciate you uh, listening all the way till the outro. I really appreciate that. Uh, so I hope you found that useful with Dr. Hassan Magara. Uh, Watch out for part two of this, where we actually get a little bit more clinical, how to assess your patient and the spaces, whether they're suitable for dental implants. Uh, So catch on that one. There is an update in terms of social media. We do now have an Instagram page. It's at Protrusive Dental. So I'm going to use my own uh, Instagram for my own things now. Uh, If you follow the podcast, and you like the content, and you want to keep in touch with the content, join the at Protrusive Dental Instagram. Give us a follow and we'll follow you back. Thank you so much as always, and I'll catch you in the next episode.